0: Well, hello. Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas.
0: I like your attitude, all right? <laughs> all right. Hey, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you're borrowing a Bible underneath the seat, I would give you the, it's page 855. Uh, otherwise, it's Luke chapter 1, same place it was last time you looked, all right? Welcome. It is hard, I just realize that, it is hard not to say good morning. Like that habit is built in. And so, uh, yeah, glad we got that right. Last year at this time, we did a service, we did a candlelight service, and the room was empty, there was less than 10 of us in the room, and we had, not because nobody showed up, that's not what I mean, come on, but uh, no, because we were all stuck at home, and so we, we mailed out and sent out a bunch of candles, and then we did it just digitally, and so honestly, really cool to be back together. It's nice to be here. Um, didn't really know what to expect tonight. Like, is five people going to show up or five? We don't know. So we're really glad you're here. We've been in this series called Who Is This? We'll wrap that up tonight, asking the question, who is this child that we celebrate being born each year, right? We know the story. We know the, the who, right? We kind of we know how, but we're asking more about why. Why is this something that was so significant, literally, it split the way we track time and history in half, right? There's the time before Christ, and then there's now, right? What was it that was so significant that took place? Or is it just this cute story that we set up this nativity scene in our house? And so there must be more than that. When we gather on Christmas Eve, our tradition is to do a candlelight service, and the candlelight service just reminds us of Christ, the light, coming into the world. This is a passage we looked at a few weeks ago, but we'll put up on the screen. John chapter 1 says this. It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything, or was nothing, not anything that made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is an image used throughout scripture about Jesus, that Jesus is the light that came into the world. I remember a few years ago, I had a power out. It's just before a Christmas Eve service, and I, like, like just before. And the whole house is dark, and, and we just had this happen. And I'm just thinking through that night or that next night, whenever we we're doing, doing the service, and how we use light, how light guides us. Even in our day-to-day life, even in my home that I'd been in for many years, as the the power had gone out the night before, I remember just kind of stumbling through in a place that I know really well. But Jesus came in, he is that light that entered into the world to lead the way, to guide the way, to show us the way to God. So we're going to look at Luke chapter one tonight, as we said, I'm going to start in verse one, I mean, I'm sorry, in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So here's the setting, Gabriel the angel, an angel named Gabriel arrives, he speaks to a young woman named Mary. Now I want you to imagine you're the young girl Mary. See, if you're Gabriel, this all makes sense. If you're Mary, this is crazy news, right? Right? And so this is the first telling of Jesus as he enters into human history, and it comes to a young girl who's probably 13, 14 years old. Then the first thing that happens is someone breaks through heaven and earth, an angel, and speaks to her. That's enough. That's enough to get your attention, right? Each time we see this happen in scripture, people freak out for good reason. Imagine an angel spoke to you tonight, Right? You'd be thinking that eggnog was a little stronger than you planned, right? <laughs> like, what's going on? And so this is happening. She's, she's having this, she's hearing this conversation. And this isn't a story that's been told every year like you and I encounter. This isn't a national holiday. This is, this is like another Tuesday for her. Until this moment. Until the angel speaks. And tells her what is going to happen to her, and more importantly, through her, through her child. Verse 28, it says, and he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. O favored one, it's like saying chosen one. You're the one God has chosen for this, right? You are the one that God has chosen for this moment, for this specific task. You are favored by God for this. Now, this doesn't mean that, that Mary was somehow in some way perfect or better than someone else. It was that God chose her for this moment. Was she probably a solid young woman of faith? I, I would assume so. Well, she wasn't a superhero. She wasn't different than someone else. She wasn't perfect. She was human. And God has chosen or called her favorite. I'm going to put this on the screen, but imagine this was you. Like, what goes through your mind when you think about God choosing you specifically for an important role like this, right? What goes through your mind when this, if this was you? Is it, is it fear? Is it excitement? Is it unworthiness? Like, what is it? I must have been really thinking about excitement because I wrote it twice. So, <laughs> so clearly, not, Mary, Mary's not alone. I'm clearly not perfect either and should edit better, Right? But really excited, clearly, right? What would go through your mind if God chose you, spoke to you through an angelic being, stops you wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and says, I've got a job for you. What's going through your head if if you're her? Verse 29, it says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Right? Being chosen could be good, could be bad. You could be chosen to win a lottery. Probably good, right? You could be chosen to go first at a firing squad. Probably not good, right? Being chosen doesn't necessarily convey either positive or negative. And, and this angel is kind of splitting through realms, if you will, from the space of God to the space of humanity. And he's speaking to her, you're favored, you're chosen, but there's a lot going on here. If you're Mary, you're not sure what to think. says she's greatly troubled. Okay, chosen by God, blessed by God, favored by God. Okay, great. Why are you talking to me? What's, what's coming from this? Verse 30, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. We go from favored one to you have found Favor. The word here for favor is from the same root word as the word grace. You have found favor from God. You have found grace by God, right? That God has chosen you, but it's not necessarily of your own merit. God is showing you grace. Think of that as we, think through, as we, as we look at this passage tonight. God is showing you grace, undeserved, unmerited favor, right? That's a way of looking at this. We'll put this up. So grace equips us. God showing favor to us is the very grace that equips us to do what we're called to do. Amen. It is God's doing, not our ability, ever. Amen. Right? This is when God says, hey, I've got a task for you. Then what God is saying is, listen, I will empower you. I will equip you. I will, I will get you there. It's never you're that good, right? It's never that you're that prepared or you're that special. And it wasn't with Mary. Mary was an average young girl, right? She had her problems. She had her strengths and her weaknesses. I'm guessing she was a girl or young woman of faith that that would make sense. But it doesn't make sense to say she's anything extra beyond that. Favored, chosen, equipped, given grace by God. Amazing. Right? Also scared to death. What kind of news is this? What's going on here? And I'm really young and really not ready for this conversation. Verse 31 And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. I mean, this reads fairly simply, unless you're the one being told this, right? You will conceive and bear a son. We're like, easy, I understand that. Now beat her. Right? Er, what? Right? Oh, back up. How did we get here already? You'll conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Right? It's a name that we throw around a lot. And Jesus and Christ, almost like a first and last name. But they have meaning. Christ means the promises fulfilled. Right? God's promises fulfilled in a person. Right? And some of the other gospel authors give us a little more. Matthew, the, the verse that Lily just read for us, says this She will bear a son. This is the angel speaking to Joseph, right? Her engaged to be husband. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here's a name. You got a job too, right? We're not looking at Joseph tonight, but imagine you're him. There's a job there, right? But grace has been shown to him too. Now, I'm going to suggest, no matter who you are, no matter, yeah, no matter who you are, we'll just leave it there. That God has chosen you for a job, right? That you're not here by accident. You're not here just because. And maybe you got dragged here by somebody in your family. That's totally cool. We're glad you're here, right? But that's not random. And if God calls us to something, then God shows us the grace, gives us the, the empowerment or the equipping to do it. So she'll bear a son, you'll call his name Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. See, he's breaking into this story, this story that's going, been going on between heaven and earth for humanity for all time. Here's the story, that God created them, created you, loves them, loves you, right? That God created us, loves us, designed us, made us. And like any maker, like any creator, there's a purpose, there's a design, Right, that there is a specific way the designed thing, like humanity, is supposed to be. At Generations, we just call that that we are designed to be worshipers of God. That doesn't just mean like when we sing songs, although that's important, but that our lives are to give glory to God, that when we live our lives, that Jesus should be seen through us, that God should be given glory by the way we live. Now, we've all failed that. I mean, like probably today, Right. Now, we all fall short of that calling. None of us live that. In fact, none of us even choose to do that, even when we we have the choice, right? That we all choose to go our own way sometimes. And the Bible just calls that sin. It's choosing your way over God's way. And we have sin that we've inherited from thousands of years of humanity choosing their own way. And then we enter into this story, right? And we add sin upon sin, right? That we contribute sin to the world. And that separates us from God. So God could have left us to our choices, but instead God loves us. And God decides to reconcile a sinful humanity to him, a holy God. And he's going to do that through this child. You shall call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. He's going to be a substitute for sinful humanity. Again, imagine you're Joseph. Imagine you're Mary. You're hearing this. You're like, I don't know that I'm up to that job. I'm sure there's somebody more equipped for the better than I am. But again, it's God's grace. Verse 32, he will be great and he will be called son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. So if there wasn't enough pressure that you're going to give birth to the Savior, now he's also going to be, going to be the son of God and an eternal king. Your job's super easy, right? He's going to be the son of God, and he is going to be an eternal king. He will become, and again, if you're 2,000 years ago and you're a young Jewish girl, you would have known this. That means he's going to be the fulfillment of the promises ever since King David Right When David was king over Israel and God said, I'm going to bring an eternal king from you to the world who will actually lead a kingdom that will never fail. And if you're Jewish 2,000 years ago, you'd know you're not in charge. Rome is. And that God lifted his hand off of you because of your disobedience. You know that kingdoms come and go. Because if you're Jewish, you just went through the Babylonian, the Persians, the Medes, the Greeks, and now the Romans. Like you haven't been in charge in a long time. You know kingdoms come and go, and we should know that today. Kingdoms come and go. Nations come and go, right? With all the political turmoil, all the things going on in our nation, we should remember sometimes, hey, kingdoms come and go. Jesus is an eternal king. That Jesus has come to be the king that is greater than any human king, any human leader. And he's come to bring us into a kingdom that is greater than any human nation or kingdom. That there is something greater than this. And that Jesus is about that. Verse 32. He will be great. And he will be called son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. So we just talked about verse 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his, of his kingdom will be no end. His kingdom will be unlike any other kingdom. Of his kingdom there will be no end. The implication here is that kingdoms come to an end because of corruption and failure and sin, whether it's their own sin or or people conquer them, whatever it might be, kingdoms come and go. But Jesus will come. He will reign in an eternal kingdom, a kingdom with no end, because Jesus won't fall short. Even when Jesus' people fall short, which we do, right? If you're new here, we're pretty clear about our flaws, right? We're pretty aware of how jacked up we are. So you're in good company. Let's just say that, right? But Jesus is sinless, and Jesus is eternal, and his kingdom has no end, and that is who this child, they're talking about, listen, you're going to give birth to that child. That's what's going on. Mary's never celebrated Christmas before because the Christ has never been born. This is the story she's being told. So there's an eternal invitation. We'll put this up. Mary is given the news that a new kind of king is coming, one that will overcome this world and provide an eternal kingdom for humanity. The news told to her is that life, as we know, life, the broken world that we live in is going to be overcome, and she's going to give birth to the one who will overcome this world. Verse 34 says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be because I'm a virgin, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Her question is really easy, really simple, really honest. How will this be? Because that's not me. Like I'm engaged, but that's not me, right? No, no, no. That's, that's okay. This is going to be a miraculous conception. This is going to be a child of God. This is going to be the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is going to make this happen. The same Holy Spirit that was there in creation, giving life to humanity, that Spirit is going to place life inside of you. In Matthew, it says it a little differently. It says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Those songs we sing, Emmanuel, God with us, because yes, he's born of a young woman, but he is God's only son, right? Because he has put there, miraculously, given life miraculously by God, because he is God. Verse 36, it says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. See, right now you have to read behind this and you have to be Mary for a minute. We're reading Mary's story. We have to think through the lens of being Mary and Mary is being spoken to by an angel. If that's not weird enough already, right? If that's not outside the ordinary already enough to make her second guess this, then there's the idea that she's going to be pregnant, but not by a man. So she's reeling from this news like, okay, zero sense. None of this makes sense. And so here's what the angel says, listen, you've got an older cousin who's barren. She's beyond childbearing age. And so that you will know that God is going to fulfill this in you, go see your cousin because she who was barren is now six months pregnant. Because Mary just doesn't get it. And you wouldn't get it. I wouldn't get it. And sometimes when God shows up, we don't get it. And when God calls us to something, we think through all the problems like, that's just not me. Like, I don't, how's that going to work? And then sometimes God will just put in place people around us to show us the power of God at work through normal people. Through everyday people that are submitted to him. And so Mary gets to go see her cousin, who is six months pregnant, to ensure her hey, this is what God is going to do. God has the power to do this. This isn't about you, this is about what God can do through you. Verse 37 For nothing will be impossible with God. That's what the angel says. So nothing is impossible with God, right? I get it's impossible for you, I get this is beyond the scope of your depth and your skill set, right? But nothing is impossible with God. In fact, with God, all this is really doable. Again, for God, this is also just a Tuesday, right? I'm making that up. I don't know it was a Tuesday. Don't hold me to that, all right? not Tuesday. Might not be. But I said don't correct me, see, because I knew that already. For nothing will be impossible with God. Here's a note for you. Hope to believe today. We get to see how God uses others beyond their capabilities so that we have the faith to believe and act on what God is calling us to do, right? That's the idea of being around people, right? You ever try and overcome something, addiction, something, right? There's people around you that are further down the road. You ever been married for a minute, right? And realize, hey, marriage is tough, right? That's why we have other married people that have been married longer than us. So that we can see average, ordinary, other crazy people just like us, right? I always tell people that, listen, choose the kind of crazy you can live with forever because you're all crazy, I'm crazy. You're, I mean, because you get just, that's it, we're all crazy. Choose your crazy. Well, we get to see other real people who make it work and they're crazy too. And so that's what Mary gets to see. She gets to see that in her cousin. She gets to see that, that God is using this woman over here who is not able to do this either. And it gives her confidence that she can be used. And when we look around the room, there's all these stories of people, real people, not superheroes, not things we made up and and just people that are just these perfect scenarios, humans. And I know this church, there's some weirdos. I mean, there's some odd people here, right? Like, you know, me included, right? But God can use us, right? But God does use us, right? God can do anything. With God, all things are possible, it says, right? Verse 38, Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here's where the story ends up tonight. Mary gets hit with this news and it is beyond her. It's not within her abilities or capabilities or even it's not supposed to be. It's God's ability. And she has given the message She's given how? She's given what? She's even given proof that she gets to go look at in her cousin. And her job, like our job, is to just say yes. Is to allow God to move through us. To give our lives to following Jesus in such a way that he can use us. She says, let it be to me according to your word. All right. If God's able, I'm in. You see, this Christmas, this season, this time that we're together, this will become about anything other than Jesus. The busyness, the traffic, the gifts, the families, the arguments, the things, the, the good, the bad, right? And it will suck us into the rest of life. And as soon as we wrap this up, right, we're headed into a new year, and we just lose sight sometimes. That a holiday named for the Christ is actually about Jesus. But you, knowing that, you can make sure that Jesus remains present tonight. Wherever you go, whoever you're with, you can make sure that tonight, tomorrow, right, that this is about Jesus. And that everything else is secondary to Jesus. And if you're sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I'm equipped for that, that's Okay. Right? Because grace is given. Because you are equipped. God can use anyone. Proof, right? If he can use me, use anybody. You don't have to agree with that. That was just a just a rhetorical nod along. All right. When we do this, we gather together and we do this candlelight service. And the reason we do this is to remind ourselves of a light that came into the world, something that came in and shined life into the world. And that that, life, that light came in, that we would be able to take that light and give it away. That we were changed by the light. We get to give that away. In John 3, there's a, a famous passage that you guys are all familiar with. A religious leader comes to Jesus. Jesus is now in his three years of earthly ministry. And he asks him the question, like, what do I do to be saved? Right? Remember what the angel said? Jesus is coming. He'll save his people, right? He'll save the people. Now, somebody's asking him, like, hey, what do I do to be saved? And here's what he says. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. His answer is, listen, I'm the answer, right? God sent me that through me, you could live forever, that you could be connected to God, that you could be redeemed and re- reunited with God, that your sin will no longer separate you because I'll cover that. Jesus goes on. And he says, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because they loved they loved the works of evil. So here's the problem. Light comes into the world and it reveals stuff. Pastor Steve and I, we've been doing this podcast throughout this Advent series, and we've been talking about why people like a cute nativity scene a lot better than the true story of Christmas, right? The true meaning of Christmas. And when you look at that cute little commercialized scene, I'm not knocking it. I have one, two, one to one, I'm sure, right? But when we get to the meaning of that, it confronts me with the fact that I'm sinful and in need of a savior, When I just look at something that's cute, I just keep passing right on by it. When I hear about a savior, I'm confronted with the idea that I need to be saved. The Christmas is about me being broken in need of a savior. Jesus says, but some people don't want to be saved. Some people prefer the darkness over the light. Jesus goes on, he says this, but whoever does what is true comes to the light that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. But whoever does come, grace is given, right? The empowerment to do what God has called us to do, that is given, right? And we get to become little lights to the rest of the world, a little bit of hope in a dark and broken world. And that's why we do a candlelight service, to remind us, why Jesus came, and, and remind us of the calling on every one of us as we respond to Jesus. And so I've asked some of, uh, some of our leaders if they would come up, and, and I'm gonna, what we're going to do is this, I'm going to start, we always, light, we always have a candle lit, it's called the Christ candle in any church, right, and it's a reminder that Christ has already come. Right, And then I'm going to light that, and I've got some, I've got some guys are going to come around, and they're going to spread that to you. And I'm just going to give you, especially if you let your kids play with fire, here's a rule. right? If yours is lit, tip the unlit one. I know it sounds super easy. It's genius. You won't spill on you. you prom- I promise you'll appreciate that. But here's the part tonight that we get to be a part of. Is we get to take what Christ has given to us, we get to take the light that's been shined inside of us, and our job is just give it away, is be Jesus to others. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up. These guys are going to bring this around to the edges of your rows. You're going to light them. Again, tip the unlit one, please. Kids, you've got your, your, your battery-operated ones. I'm going to ask if you'll be, okay, and you've okay. got the house dropped. Does anybody not have a candle? That's a great question. Does anybody not have a candle? All right, you got one, you're good. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Well, this is going around. We're gonna sing a song and then I'm gonna come back up. All right, will you guys keep the the fire going without burning anything down. I'm coming around, I promise. I'm, I'm waiting awkwardly for Steven to start singing. That's the awkward part. Are we supposed to have you one? Oh, holy night. See Stephen hold this and play The Stars
1: are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long way the world in sin and so soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new By his cradle we stand So led by the light Of a star so we gleaming Here came the wise men From Orient land The king Slowly manner in all our trials born to be our friend oh. was so born Oh
0: A little disappointed you couldn't light a candle and play guitar at the same time. <laughs> In 1 Peter, it says this But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As the light goes out and it spreads to each one of us, it's like Christ in the sense that it never runs out. The power of God, the empowerment of God, the grace of God, it never runs out. Just as the light continues on, there's enough that we can take and be empowered, be be enlightened by Jesus. And then be that light to the rest of the world. That the gospel transforming us, we can take that out and we can be a part of the journey of the transformation for other people. And really, that's the mission of being the church. We're gonna close with, while well, we have these candles still lit, we're gonna close with Silent Night. I just wanna encourage you. If this is a night for you where you feel like you wanna make that step of faith, you wanna take that time, you wanna be empowered by Jesus, you wanna be transformed by Jesus. I would love to talk to you before you, get a, before you leave. Uh, I will be here, our staff will be here, you can come see Stephen or Alex, any of these guys behind me. Don't leave here unchanged. Don't let the light pass you by. And then leave here and take this, I know we're gonna blow candles out eventually, but take that light with you. Be Christ in your family gatherings, in your work gatherings, in your fun gatherings, with your friends. Not just be like Christ, but be Christ to them.